Chapter Nine: The Chronicles of Avonlea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Chronicles of Avonlea, by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Chapter Nine: Paul Sloane's Purchase, Part Two. That bit of John Clark's was Pa's undoing. Pa Sloane could not have an enemy, but a rival he had, and that rival was John Clark. Everywhere at auctions John Clark was wont to bid against Paul. At the last auction he had outbid Pa in everything, not having the fear of his wife before his eyes. Pa's fighting blood was up in a moment. He forgot Ma Sloane, he forgot what he was bidding for, he forgot everything except a determination that John Clark should not be victor again. Ten, he called shrilly. Fifteen, shouted Clark. Twenty, vociferated Pa. Twenty-five, bellowed Clark. Thirty shrieked Pa. He nearly bust a blood vessel in his shrieking, but he had won. Clark turned off with a laugh and a shrug, and the baby was knocked down to Pa Sloane by the auctioneer, who had meanwhile been keeping the crowd in roars of laughter by a quick fire of witticisms. There had not been such fun at an auction in Carmody for many a long day. Pa Sloane came or was pushed forward. The baby was put into his arms. He realized that he was expected to keep it, and he was too dazed to refuse. Besides, his heart went out to the child. The auctioneer looked doubtfully at the money which Pa laid mutely down. "I suppose that part was only a joke," he said. "Not a bit of it," said Robert Lawson. "All the money won't be too much to pay the debts. There's a doctor's bill, and this will just about pay it." Pa Sloane drove back home with the sorrel mare still unshod, the baby, and the baby's meagre bundle of clothes. The baby did not trouble him much. It had become well used to strangers in the past two months, and promptly fell asleep on his arm. But Pa Sloane did not enjoy that drive. At the end of it, he mentally saw Ma Sloane. Ma was there too, waiting for him on the back doorstep as he drove into the yard at sunset. Her face, when she saw the baby, expressed the last degree of amazement. Pa Sloane, she demanded, "Whose is that young one, and where did you get it?" I, I bought it at the auction, Ma," said Pa feebly. Then he waited for the explosion. None came. This last exploit of Pa's was too much for Ma. With a gasp, she snatched the baby from Pa's arms and ordered him to go out and put the mare in. When Pa returned to the kitchen, Ma had set the baby on the sofa, fenced him around with chairs so that he wouldn't fall off, and given him a molasses cookie. Now, Pa Sloane, you can explain," she said. Pa explained. Ma listened in grim silence until he had finished. Then she said sternly, "Do you reckon we're going to keep this baby?" "I, I don't know," said Pa. And he didn't. "Well, we're not. I brought up one boy, and that's enough. I don't calculate to be pestered with any more. I never was much stuck on children, as children, anyhow. You say that Mary Garland had a brother out in Manitoba. Well, we shall just write to him and tell him that he's got to look out for his nephew." But how can you do that, Ma, when nobody knows his address? Objected Pa with a wistful look at that delicious, laughing baby. I'll find out his address if I have to advertise in the papers for him. Retorted Ma. As for you, Pa Sloane, you're not fit to be out of a lunatic asylum. The next auction you'll be buying a wife, I suppose. Pa, quite crushed by Ma's sarcasm, pulled his chair into supper. Ma picked up the baby and sat down at the head of the table. Little Teddy laughed and pinched her face, Ma's face. 
Ma looked very grim, but she fed him his supper as skillfully as if it had not been thirty years since she had done such a thing. But then the woman who learns once the mother knack never forgets it. After tea, Ma dispatched Pa over to William Alexander's to borrow a high chair. When Pa returned in the twilight, the baby was fenced in on the sofa again, and Ma was stepping briskly about the garret. She was bringing down the little cot bed her own boy had once occupied, and setting it up in their room for Teddy. Then she undressed the baby and rocked him to sleep, crooning an old lullaby over him. Pa Sloane sat quietly and listened, with very sweet memories of the long ago when he and Ma had been young and proud, and the bewhiskered William Alexander had been a curly-headed little fellow like this one. Ma was not driven to advertising for Mrs. Garland's brother. That personage saw the notice of his sister's death in a home paper and wrote to the Carmody postmaster for full information. The letter was referenced to Ma, and Ma answered it. She wrote that they had taken in the baby, pending further arrangements, but had no intention of keeping it, and she calmly demanded of its uncle what was to be done with it. Then she sealed and addressed the letter with an unfaltering hand, but when it was done she looked across the table at Pa Sloane, who was sitting in the armchair with the baby on his knee. They were having a royal good time together. Pa had always been dreadfully foolish about babies. He looked ten years younger. Ma's keen eyes softened a little as she watched them. A prompt answer came to her letter. Teddy's uncle wrote that he had six children of his own, but was nevertheless willing and glad to give his nephew a home. But he could not come after him. Josiah Spencer, of White Sands, was going out to Manitoba in the spring. If Mr. and Mrs. Sloane could only keep the baby till then, he could be sent out with the Spencers. Perhaps they would see a chance sooner. "'There'll be no chance sooner,' said Pa Sloane, in a tone of satisfaction. "'No, worse luck,' retorted Ma crisply. The winter passed by. Little Teddy grew and throve, and Pa Sloane worshipped him. Ma was very good to him, too, and Teddy was just as fond of her as of Pa. Nevertheless, as the spring drew near, Pa became depressed. Sometimes he sighed heavily, especially when he heard casual references to the Josiah Spencer emigration. One warm afternoon in early May Josiah Spencer arrived. He found Ma knitting placidly in the kitchen, while Pa nodded over his newspaper, and the baby played with the cat on the floor. "'Good afternoon, Mrs. Sloane,' said Josiah, with a flourish. "'I just dropped in to see about this young man here. We are going to leave next Wednesday, so you'd better send him down to our place Monday or Tuesday, so that he can get used to us, and—' "'Oh, Ma,' began Pa, rising imploringly to his feet. Ma transfixed him with her eye. "'Sit down, Pa,' she commanded. Unhappy Pa sat. Then Ma glared at the smiling Josiah, who instantly felt as guilty as if he had been caught stealing sheep red-handed. "'We are much obliged to you, Mr. Spencer,' said Ma icily. "'But this baby is ours. We bought him, and we paid for him. A bargain is a bargain.' When I pay cash down for babies, I propose to get my money's worth. We are going to keep this baby in spite of any number of uncles in Manitoba. Have I made this sufficiently clear to your understanding, Mr. Spencer? Certainly, certainly, stammered the unfortunate man, feeling guiltier than ever. But I thought you didn't want him. I thought you'd written to his uncle. I thought— I really wouldn't think quite so much if I were you, said Ma kindly. It must be hard on you. Won't you stay and have tea with us? But no, Josiah would not stay. He was thankful to make his escape with such rags of self-respect as remained to him. Pa Sloane arose and came around to Ma's chair. He laid a trembling hand on her shoulder. 
"'Ma, you're a good woman,' he said softly. "'Go long, Pa,' said Ma. End of chapter 9, part 2